According to 5th Fleet Torpedo Officer Mori, as he later related to John Toland, Mori is the man who dissuaded the Admiral from further attempts. Cornering Shima in an area of Nachi's Bridge, Mori voiced stringent objections. Admiral, up ahead, the enemy must be waiting for us with open arms. This was every bit as true as Mori guessed. Chief of Staff Matsumoto seconded Mori. Shima did not reply. Mori drove on. Nishimura's force is almost totally destroyed. It is obvious that the 2YB will fall into a trap. That blunt fact was almost redundantly clear, but Shima was still balking. Honor was at stake, so Mori dropped the bomb. We may die any time. By saying this, Mori had recast the choice. This was not simply a case of avoiding death and sacrifice, but simply taking pains that such a sacrifice would not be wasted, and to no point. This he reinforced with the fact that they did not even know what Kurita was doing. Naturally, any assault should take into account the best interests of the overall plan and the best means to assist 1YB. This went even for a one-way dash. Point made, Mori concluded, in any case, it is foolish to go ahead now. Apparently, this changed Shima's mind, if it had not been changed already. The wording of his 0435 dispatch begs the question. There is no doubt that Mori's words made an impression on him. Shima himself wrote of this moment later in the 1960s, At the time, things flashed in my head were thus. If we continued dashing further north, it was quite clear that we should only fall into a ready trap. Almost exactly Mori's recalled arguments. Shima decided to withdraw. However posterity judges Shima's motives, it remains true that the fabric of his decision remains sound, and it was just as well Shima waited no longer. Just before Shima's message of his decision at 0432, Oldendorf himself had commenced a pursuit. The left-flank cruisers had been tracking Shima's movements and had swung south to close. It was hardly a hot pursuit, as Louisville and the other cruisers proceeded down Surigao Strait at a leisurely fifteen knots. Even damaged Mogami could match this speed. Though Shima's retirement was slowed by Nachi, he thus still had the edge and a head start. Throughout the Battle of Surigao Strait, Oldendorf displayed a marked sense of deliberation and caution that in its reluctance to risk a one victory reminds the historian of the decisions made by Spruance in the Battle of the Philippine Sea or earlier at Midway. Like Spruance's choices, Oldendorf's decisions have come in for some degree of post-war criticism. Morrison was among them, calling the slow start regrettable. Yet this analysis ignores the real-time context of the situation. Only hindsight shows the pursuit was relatively safe. Had the left flank started south sooner or steamed faster, they would have entered the crosshairs of Inouye's DDs, then seeking victims for their long-lance torpedoes. It is arguable that they might have crossed the track of Nachi's and Ashigura's sixteen torpedo spread barreling north in their general direction. It is easy to forget that Crew Div 21's salvo is ignored because it did not hit anything 
and its precise path is not known. Another factor overlooked is that Oldendorf did not have precise knowledge of the composition of either Nishimura's third section or Shima's 2YB that night. In an interview on the 27th, Oldendorf said Intel indicated three enemy battleships, five cruisers, and six to eight DDs came within range of his guns, and I could not find any evidence that a single one got away. As late as mid-November 1944, the belief was there had been two battleships, two CAs, two CLs, and ten DDs engaged. He had no way of knowing if DDs were lying in wait to ambush, and had Savo Island and Tassafaranga as examples of what might occur if he lunged against Japanese cruisers or DDs too recklessly. The light losses 7th Fleet had...